All right. Thank you, Pastor Andy. I like that. We'll say that again. What do we, what do we say? We are, we don't go to church. We are the church. Yeah, something along those lines. I feel like that's not exactly what he said, but that was the point of what he was saying. Yeah, we don't go to church. We gather at a building, but we are the church. We as people are the church. We are his kingdom. Amen. So exciting. Uh, so I've got, uh, I'm just going to do a quick verse here on offering. I want to get into our message this morning that uh, the Lord is really, uh, well, we'll get to that. I'll tell you about it when we get to it. Okay, uh, Psalm 96. Psalm 96 is our offering scripture this morning, starting in verse 7. It says this, it says, Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And here's what I notice about this scripture. The very first thing we do is we give to the Lord our praises. We give to the Lord his glory, who he is, how good he is, his faithfulness, his goodness. Is we do that first. Then it says, okay... Then we give our offering, and then what do we do? We go back and start worshiping him again. So it's all about him. It's not about the offering. It's not about how much. It's not about the religious spirit behind it. It's all about him. It's all about him. We give to the Lord honor and glory, strength, all of it. And then what do we do after we bring our offering? We just worship. So let's just raise our hands and worship him. Father, we thank you. Man, you are so good to us. Your presence is so tangible this morning. Father, I thank you that you are with us, that you care for us, that you know every number of hairs on our head, that you watch every move and you see us, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you care for us so deeply, that you love us so much you sent your son. And so, Father, we just give you all the honor and the praise and the glory for every gift, every giver, every tithe, every offering, every building fund, all of it, Lord, it's yours We give it to you. We worship you with it, Lord. We thank you for it, for who you are, for who you are. And Lord, as we get into this message, Lord, that you would just open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Okay, turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. I'm going to read a few scriptures before we get there, but that's kind of where I want to park today. For a little bit, so I just want you to stay there, and we're going to park in James chapter 5. We're going to go through some scriptures there. As you know, we're in a, a series called Spiritual Disciplines, and we have been working on spiritual disciplines really since December. About coming into January, we've been going through uh, all the spiritual disciplines that we see and find in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is the early church. It talks about how they operated, what they did, how they how they met together, how they fellowshiped together, and those spiritual disciplines are what we've been talking about. And I'm just going to read that. You don't have to turn there. Acts chapter 2. We might be having some PC problems, so you just have to listen to me if it's not up on the screen. Acts chapter 2, 42 says, And they continued, oh, there it is, good, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And we've been talking about this word fellowship the past couple weeks. And the Greek word here, fellowship, is called koinonia. 
And this koinonia means a multiple number of things, and we've kind of been breaking it down over the past couple weeks. Uh, but this koinonia is this fellowship one to another. This sense of unity amongst the body of church, all working with each other, for each other, serving each other, loving each other, doing these things together with one another. And we have this chart here. Oh, that's good. Let's leave that up. Koinonia is this. The definition is being in agreement with one another. This fellowship actually means unity and agreement with one another. Being united in purpose and serving alongside each other. We spent last week talking a little bit about serving, what that looks like. And our koinonia with each other is based on our common koinonia with Jesus Christ. So two weeks ago, we started talking about this koinonia word, and the message title was, you know, how many of you would like to not work another day in your life? And I got a lot of hands raised, and we went through that. We're not going to rehash that at all. Then last week, we talked about really two things. Is we have these two circles, these overlapping circles of where the Lord has been placing us to serve in the church. And there's this passion, and then there's these giftings. And where the Lord calls us to serve is it where those two overlap, where they come together. And we laughed a little bit about my inability to sing. And even though I love worship, I'm not on the worship team because I don't have a gifting for that. And so what we talked about is the Lord places each of us in different positions within the church, different places of serving, so that together as a body, we are fully functioning church. And then we talked about the one another's. If you were here last week, I have these cards that I handed out. If you were not here last week, I have extras uh, of them on the back table. You can look at these. But here's what I wanted to talk about this morning is I asked you guys to go do some homework. And the homework I asked you to go do was to take these cards and read through it and see which one the Lord was really, which one jumped out at you and says, Lord, man, that's the one I need to work more on. That's the one that I need to do more one to another whether it's loving or forgiving or whatever it was. And, of course, if I asked you to do homework, guess what? I do it too. Okay, so this was my homework. So as I went through this, the very first one that I starred, thanks to my children, was this. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. And so what happened is, I don't know when it was, was it, was it last night or a previous night, Everyone, okay, Anna's home from Pittsburgh, so all 10 of us are under one roof. There were nine of us at the table, and for whatever reason, I prayed, and we started eating, and I, I don't know who it was, maybe it was Anna says, hey, Dad, you missed the one of the one another's on the card. I was like, what? When you come together and eat, wait for each other. I was like, oh, man, okay, so I'm working on waiting for one another, but the real, some of the big ones that the Lord really has says is have equal concern for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Encourage one another. These were some of the ones the Lord was working on with me. Encourage one another. And the one that just, I mean, it jumped out at me like it was nobody's business was this. Confess your sins to each other. And so I'm going to talk about that this morning. What that looks like, what that means uh, how do we do that? What is the purpose of it? What is the outcome of it? And I think it's really important because I think sometimes it's not talked about all that much. 
And so many of us hold on inside the things that are going on in our lives. And when we hold something inside, it stays in the dark. And we know when something is in the dark, guess what? It starts growing mold and disgusting things on it. And it really needs to get exposed. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And I'm just, it was the thing that popped out. So as I was preparing, as I was preparing for it, I was telling Pastor Andy, usually on Monday I have a pretty good idea of what the message you know, wants to be about at least a general idea. So I was asking the Lord, what is it, what is it? And I wanted to move on to the next thing in the circle. And the Lord was just like, no. It's like, come on. It's like, I want to move on. He's like, no, no. And then he just revealed to me this confessing one to another. So this is from the Lord. This is not my idea. I wanted to move on. The Lord said, no, sorry. This won't be as easy as a message as I've as you know, you probably have heard, I think it's going to challenge some of us, uh, but this is good. So let me tell you this. How many of you know that the Lord heals? Can I, get a share? Can I get some hands up? Can I get an amen? The Lord heals. He is a healing God. He is a saving God. And as I've been studying healing, because healing is one of my favorite topics to study about, I, like, I watch things on healing, I read about things on healing. If you go into my library, I have all these books, and like probably 50% of them are on healing. You know, T.L. Osborne's book on healing, Hagen book on healing, a Copeland book on healing, whatever. Everyone's book that ever wrote anything about healing, I probably have it and have read it. Because I just, I, it's something that I'm passionate about. And what the Lord has showed me over the course of this time of studying it, that the Lord heals in a multitude of different ways. How many of you know that? And you can see it in scripture. After He heals in a bunch of different ways. Every, not every time that you have a fever, do you say, Lord, I need you to take this fever to, away from me, and instantly your fever is broken. Right? How many have experienced? That doesn't, it doesn't, sometimes it does. But that doesn't always happen exactly in that way. So I started to study, and these are not on your slide. Maybe I'll do a teaching on it at some point in time. But here's what I have found, the different ways that the Lord heals in Scripture. He heals when we're standing on God's word. When we're standing on his word, he heals. There are scriptures that we stand on that he heals when we stand on those scriptures. He heals when someone believes in faith. Can I get an amen to that? Brother Paul knows very, very much about that. As we stand on the word and we believe in faith for our healing. When we accept his forgiveness. Ooh, you know that God heals when we accept his forgiveness and we no longer hold on to that thing that we have been holding on to he begins to heal us i'm not, and church i'm not talking about just physical healing can i get just some clarification i'm talking about emotional healing physical healing the relational healing healing he heals when we're standing in faith for someone else as we intercede and as we pray we see in the bible that people have been healed when we're standing in faith for someone else when we're praying using the prayer of faith and agreement, he heals. When someone has the healing anointing, right? You know if you've heard of ministers that have the healing anointing, and when that person prays, people get healed. This is legit. This is in the Bible. This is real. God heals sometimes when we're just in his presence. Not a single person said a prayer. Not, you didn't say a prayer, the other person didn't say a prayer, and we have testimony after testimony in this church on a Sunday morning during worship in his presence, someone got healed. 
They're like, but, but nobody prayed for it. That's okay, God. God has a multitude of ways that he heals. He heals when the Holy Spirit leads us to make changes in our life. Sometimes the Lord is like, yeah, I would heal you, but you need to stop doing this thing in this way. And so until you stop doing that, healing's not going to come. And he's trying to teach you and show you something. And he's saying no. I mean, how many times have people have prayed for a, a back, their back has been hurting, and the Lord's been urging them to get a new bed? Get a new bed, get a new bed. Eh, I don't want to spend the money. Get a new bed. The Holy Spirit's speaking to me. Get a new bed. But my, my back hurts. I need prayer for my back. How about get the new bed that the Lord has been talking to you about? Honestly, right? The Lord has a lot of different things, and he knows the beginning from the end. There might be a reason why he wants you to have a new bed. Everyone with the back pain said, I'm going to Mattress Outlet this afternoon, right? Okay. You don't have to. If the Holy Spirit leads you to. God heals when we speak words of confession. When we speak into existence that which we are needing and wanting and we call it forth to the present. Whole nother teaching on that. God heals us when we partake in communion. He heals us when we partake in communion. And number 11 and 12, if you're writing them down, I'm sorry, I don't have them on the chart. Maybe I'll do a teaching on those in the future. But 11 and 12 are found in James chapter 5. There's healing when the elders lay hands on the sick. And the last one, there's healing when we confess our sins one to another. This is the one we like the least. I like the presence. I like people praying for me. I want to go down in the spirit and come up healed. I'd rather go buy a new bed than confess my sins one to another. Come on, church, right? Wouldn't we rather go buy a new bed than confess our sins one to another? Be like, I don't want to get so close to someone that I have to tell them what I'm struggling with. But the Bible clearly says, we're going to see in a minute, healing comes when we confess one to another. One to another. Not this way. One to another. Now, does God heal when we confess our sins? Absolutely. We're going to look at that. Okay, James chapter 5. I keep telling you we're going to get there, and we will. God's goal, church, is wholeness for you. God's goal is whole. And if there's things that he is going to do and work in your life to get to wholeness, that is the method he's going to choose of his healing power for you. So many of us want the instantaneous healing right away, and we know that he does that. We've seen that he does it. Pastor Jim was in a coma, for goodness sakes, and he raised him up from the dead. For goodness sakes, that's an instantaneous healing. Thank you, Jesus. But he doesn't always do it that way. And we have to look at all the different ways that he does it. God's goal for us is whole. James 5, starting in verse 13. We're going to look at the two different ways God heals here in James chapter 5. Because they're both really one to another. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any, any of you suffering? When I say suffering, I don't mean you need to live in Ukraine under the oppression of, the, of Putin and the Russians. I'm talking about, I mean, they are suffering. And we have been praying for them. I continue and urge you to pray for them. And we just, God, we're just asking God to move in that situation. But this is how, are you suffering emotionally, physically? In any way, are you suffering? It says, let him pray. The Bible clearly tells us, if you're suffering, pray. 
It says, is any one cheerful? Let him sing songs. It's like if you're cheerful, if you're suffering, you pray. If you're cheerful, you worship. It's like this is life, right? How many know life feels like these ups and downs? Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, but we don't walk in the abundant life necessarily every single, because we're flesh, we're humans, and we need him every single moment of our lives. So if you are cheerful, worship. Verse 14, if anyone among you is sick, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I want you to know, church, that if you are sick and you have prayed and you have stood in faith and you, you, just, you need the elders to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil, we are here. We are here for you. We will come to you. We'll have you come to the Rose Center at the night. We'll do it at midnight. I don't care. We want to lay hands and pray for those because it's a biblical thing and God brings healing through it. If anyone among you is sick, let him call on the elders. Let him pray over him, anointing with him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 says then, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So what can we learn here in this passage? Number one, they came to the elders. And along with the elders, they prayed in faith together, one with another, praying for each other. They used this prayer of a faith and agreement. They stood on the word on Matthew 18, 18, that says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you on earth agree concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And if you look at that verse at 15, it says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The premise here is that there is some discussion regarding the sins that are going on in their life. It says, hey, you know, if there's any sin, they are forgiven. It says the elders don't have the power to forgive. We don't have the power to forgive. This is not a confessional. You don't come in and then, you know, we tell you to do something and you leave. That's not, that doesn't work that way. There's this, there's this impression here that they are communing together. They're talking together. They're working together. They're praying for one another. The elders are laying hands on them. They're binding up those things which need bound up. And the Bible says that when that happens, they're healed. And the word healing here, this word healing is, is a physical healing. It's a physical healing that occurs. This coming to one another. So first off, I'm going to tell you, before we get to the tough stuff, don't be shy about coming to the elders. Don't be shy about going to one another and getting prayer for. Because this is the prayer of faith, the prayer of agreement. And there is healing power in it. Okay, verse 16. The verse you hoped I didn't get to. Because <laughs> the Lord's been challenging me on this as well. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another. Whoa, 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 Pastor Jason, wait a second. 
I thought that, you know, we do communion and I just have to confess my sins to God. Yes, we do. But there is power in confessing to one another. And I think too often as, I don't know if it's the American church, maybe it's church in general, maybe it's just human beings, that we're just like, yeah, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to tell anybody my struggles. I don't want to tell anybody the things I'm challenged with. Like, I'd rather just keep those to myself. Let's not go there. That's between me and God. I've said this, yeah? Come on, how many of us have said this? Like, you know what? Like, I just... Now, look, this this is not a Sunday morning activity either, necessarily. You don't walk in through the back of the sanctuary and say, Hey, everybody, look. I'm here. My name's Pastor Jason. And here's are my sins for the week. Here's what I've done. And let me just start listing them out before I even walk through the door so you all can pray for me so that I can be healed. Right? No, this confessing one to another infers that there's a relationship, there's a connection, there's a community, there's somebody that you are going deeper with that you are able to begin to share your heart. One, two, another. It says, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. Woo. So what this is telling me is that there is healing available to us when we begin to confess our sins one to another. And when I, when I read this, right, it's the one that jumped out on my little chart. When I read this, I said, Lord, am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I open enough to tell everybody else that they need to go find someone and get a relationship with someone to do it? Am I doing this? And the Lord reminded me is that I am with this guy right here. And in fact, I think I sent you an email at some point a week or so ago or a week and a half ago. And I said, Andy, my brother, my friend in Christ, I just want you to know that whenever I struggle with this, whenever I'm challenged with this, whenever I sin in any way, I'm going to let you know, and I promise to let him know. And I made a promise to him, and how many, I mean, I don't know how you grew up in your life, but in my family, it was like, a, how many of my girls know this now, a promise is a promise. It's not something we take lightly. It's not something we do like half-heartedly. Oh yeah, babe, sure, I'll promise to take you to the zoo tomorrow, and then it doesn't happen. If I don't know for a fact that we are going to the zoo tomorrow, we don't make the promise. And so I had, I honestly, I wrote the email. How many of you have written an email and wanted to hit send and you're just like, oh. Right, usually in the bad way. And if if the Holy Spirit ever pauses you on sending an email, that you're ranting at somebody about something, just take his guidance and don't hit send. Sleep on it and then see if he still wants you to send it the next day. However, this is a different case. This was like, Jason. If you do it, you're committing to confessing one to another. Now, I did that because he and I are very, very close. He and I are very, very good friends, and he's at our house all the time. We're with him, and we know exactly what's going on in each other's life. But then I made a commitment that I will confess my sins to him, of course to the Lord as well, to him, because you know what? I want healing in my life. How many of you want healing in your life? But the Bible says we have to confess it one to another. But we don't do it. We go years, months, decades 
dealing with a sin that we keep in secret. We keep it in secret. And what happens when we keep a sin in secret is it gets moldy and it festers and it's in the dark and it grows and it begins to entangle us in all kinds of ways. And you say, oh Lord, I need healing for this. And the Lord's saying, I want to heal you, but you're not confessing your sins to one another. And you're like, oh, do I have to? Do you want to be healed? There's 12 different ways the Lord seals. I'm not telling you that's the only way that's sealed. And I'm not telling you that the moment you confess your sins and your ankle was broken, you can take the cast off and just run around like nothing happened. Because I believe that this healing is something, it's physical, but it's deeper. It's deeper. And so I want to look at, I want to look at this. This confession leads to healing. Confession leads to healing. There's this pattern in scripture that confession leads to healing. First and foremost, we find in scripture, it says, when we confess to God for our spiritual healing. Come on, church. Right? Our spirit man, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. When we confess to God, it is a direct link to our spiritual healing. We become a new man. We become the spirit. The spirit is alive within us. All these things begin to happen. And healing in our spirit man, when we do what? When we confess to God. When we confess to God. 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9 says this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If you walked in here and said, ah, I got everything under control, I have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You have, there is sin in your life. And the, tr that's it, and the truth is not in you. It's like, yeah, come on, wake up, look in the mirror. And I think we think of sin as being like, well, I didn't lie, I didn't cheat, I didn't commit adultery, and I didn't kill anybody yesterday. Hallelujah. Good for you. Me too. I'm with you on that one. Maybe on most of them. Come on, right? And we think of the big sins, but what about harboring unforgiveness? What about gossiping? What about saying a word to someone that you know you shouldn't have said? What about repeating something that you shouldn't have repeated? What about holding on to a grudge for too long? What about not loving your neighbor as the Lord is telling you? Every one of us, we, have, we, we all fail. Every one of us fail. Verse 9, here's the good news. The happy news. It's called the gospel. The good news. Not the bad news. It's the good news. Yeah, the bad news is we're all sinners and we're, we're destined to hell unless somebody pays the price for our sins. Ha! Huh. Jesus. If we confess our sins, confession leads to healing. Here in this case, confessing our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When we confess to him, spiritual man is healed and made whole. And that's why we take communion, and that's why we pray, we confess our sins to the Lord, and we say, Lord, I need your help, I need you, because the Lord is constantly looking to make you whole. And when we confess to him, our spirit man becomes whole, because of who he is, and because of what he's done. 
Number one, that's it. Confess to God for spiritual healing. Number two, confess to one another for physical healing. As I said, it's not the only way that God heals physically, but if you unlock this passage in James chapter 5, which we're doing, there is a direct relation to confessing one to another, not up, one to another, that leads to healing in our lives. It says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's a promise on the backside of it. There's something we do, there's an outcome. This is good. This is good news. The Greek word there, it actually means a physical healing. There's this healing that comes when we confess. You know, we talk about counseling, and I encourage people who are challenged with things to go see counseling. Why? Because you're talking one to another. You're confessing, you're bringing forth things, and what happens in, in, in this, um, with these counselors, you begin to get emotionally healed. You don't get emotionally healed because they have some superpower. They don't have superpower. Only God has superpower. The reason why counseling works is because it's a biblical statement. It's a biblical truth. When we confess to one another, I'm struggling with this. I think so poorly about myself. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, there's confession one to another. And it's so important that we do it, church. It's so important that we do it. I went years of my life not wanting to do it. Nobody wants to do it. No one wakes up and says, man, did I have a bad day yesterday? I sinned a lot. I can't wait to go tell Andy about it. No, it hurts. Like, you're like, oh, man, I don't want to. Do oh, shoot. But I promised. I made a commitment. Because, because confessing one to another leads to physical healing. Do I not want physical, emotional healing in my life? Who doesn't want that? If I said, everybody raise your hand if you want that, you all raise your hand. I should have started with that. Should have been the title of the message. How many of you want physical and emotional healing? Raise your hand. You ought to have been like, yeah. Woohoo. And then we have to understand that part of that is confessing one to another. Then you're like, oh. Oh. Really? Do I have to? No, actually, you don't have to. You actually don't. I mean, I encourage you to. I want you to. I pray that you do. I wish that you do. I hope that you do. I stand in faith that you do. I hope, I hope, blah, 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 blah. But you don't actually, I can't force you to do it. I can't grab you at the door and wrestle you down with a single leg takedown and put you into a cradle and hold you there and say, confess to me now. You'd be like, what is wrong with this pastor? This place is crazy. In fact, it's okay. Actually, I think people think we, we might be a little crazy, and I'm okay with that kind of crazy. Not that one. I won't tackle you at the door. You know, I don't take the football up and shoot and throw it at people. No, I'm, I see him sitting over there. I know. The Lord told me he hasn't confessed to anybody this week. I'm going to shoot that football right at him. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't be forced to do it. it the Lord has to convict your heart to say, you know what? I'm tired of living with this sin. I'm tired of living with this wrong thought pattern. I'm tired of living this lie. I'm tired of all these things, and I need healing in my life, and I'm willing to take the steps to go do what the Bible tells me I need to go do. And that's hard to do, and I get it. There's healing there. 
So how do we do this? How do we confess to one another? We kind of hinted at this. I don't have slides for this. What does it mean? It means what it says. Like, what, can you expository tell me a little bit more about what it means to confess one to another? Like, break it down for me like the English language. It means confess to one another. You're like, what? You mean it's not like a trick word or it's a different saying? No, it actually means one to another. It means you have to have a relationship with someone that's deep enough, which is what God calls us to go do, which is what we've seen in the early church, exactly what they're doing, that they had this fellowship, this connection with one another, that they had a relationship deep enough with one another that they could share. So the very first thing is if you don't have a relationship with a Christian deep enough to be able to feel like you can confess your sins one to another, there's your first step. Lord, show me. Who is it? Lord, I need it in my life. I can't continue. You can't go on and on as the Lone Ranger anymore. You can't be on an island all by yourself. And here's what I know. When you find that person, how the Lord is, connects you together with that person, and you begin to share, do you know what? They're going to be like, dude, either I knew that, or, yeah, me too, man. I struggle with that too. And you'll find out very quickly, you're not alone. You'll find out so quickly that you are not alone in your struggle. Because we walk around thinking that, man, I, psh, how could I be a pastor and be struggling with this? i got to be the only pastor in the world that struggles with this. I'm not good enough, blah, 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 blah. You all have, you know, the mind things where you start going down the spiral. But you'll find out real quick when you confess to one another. I won't use a person's name, but somebody texted us this week or last week. says, hey, I'm struggling with a certain thing. I said, hallelujah. Okay, me too. Let's pray about it. Let's encourage one another. Let's text one another. Let's lift one another up. Oh, you mean the chart? You mean the thing that we've been talking about? All these things? Yes. You confess to one another, and then you start teaching one another, loving one another, building each other up, encouraging one another, spending time with one another, not, not grumbling against one another. You begin to do all these things for each other. And what happened is when that began to happen, we were all lifted up. There was three of us on the text. We all were lifted up. We started sending each other emails about scriptures regarding a certain situation. Like, okay, here's some more encouragement. How about this? How about that? Oh. There's healing in it. So what does it look like? It means coming together with somebody else. One to another. How can this happen? We've talked about it. It has to be in relationship. You have to be willing and vulnerable to be open and to be honest and to say, you know what, I'm just going to do it. You may go with fear and trembling. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But there's healing on the other side of it. It's so powerful. Worship team, if you want to come back up here. Or just Jake, that's fine. It says that we confess and then we pray for one another. So we don't just leave it there. We don't just leave it with, okay, yeah, boy, sucks for you. I can't believe you're struggling with that. <laughs> good luck. No. No, it's not just good luck. It's, hey, let, let's pray about this. Let's let the Lord work in this situation. Let's let him 
do the work. I will pray and be in agreement with you. We're going to be in this together. My challenge to you is if you have not confessed your sin one to another recently, then you need to consider a change in your life. I don't say it lightly, and I don't say it because I'm not doing it because I am. And this is one of those messages that you have to live it out to be able to share it. Remember this, church, that the physical realm, the physical realm comes in line after the spiritual realm is in line. The physical realm comes in line after the spiritual realm is in line. We confess to God, our spirit man becomes whole and healed. And we confess to one another. So physically and emotionally, we can grow and become healthy in the Lord. But here's what it takes. We have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand and to do it his way. His way. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger people, Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That is such a huge statement, such a powerful scripture. God resists the proud. Do you mean that if I hold on to my sin and I don't confess it and I don't share it and I am not walking humbly and I'm walking pridefully that God is resisting me? I'm not making this up. Which tells me is that unless we humble ourselves and come to a point where we are willing to share one to another, the challenges that are going on in our life and the things that we're struggling with. We are not being humble and there's a resistance from God Almighty himself. So we ask, I don't know why I haven't had healing in my life. In a certain situation, I would ask, have you confessed one to another? Verse 6 then says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Here's the backside of this. If you humble yourself, if you say, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to go do. It says that he will exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. You feel like this morning there's no way I can do it? God can help you do it. God is there with you. He is for you. And you can do it. The last portion of James chapter 5 says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's the last portion of verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We confess to one another. We pray for one another. And that prayer 
has power. I don't mean a little bit of power. I'm not talking about, well, you know, good luck with that. I know you're struggling with this or that. Good luck. No, when you confess and then you pray, there is power in that. I don't mean a little bit of power. Here's what, look, look at the next verse, 17. Here is the type of power that is released when we confess and then we pray together. I'm talking about power that stopped rain from coming. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. This type of prayer, this fervent prayer, one for another, this is the power of it, that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. There is so much power in this prayer, so much power in this confession, one to another, that that prayer is as powerful as stopping the rain for three and a half years. Are you kidding? No. Powerful. Powerful. Verse 18, and he prayed again. And so when we pray for each other, we come back and we pray for each other again. It's so powerful that it can stop the rain. You think that that prayer to God, he can't work. When we humble ourselves, he's no longer resisting us, that he will give us the power to stop that which what has enslaved us for so long. Come on, church. He can do it. His power. His might. Verse 18, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. We pray for one another. That which we don't want to do anymore can be stopped. And what happens on the backside? Fruit, blessing, abundance, healing for you, healing for me. When we confess one to another. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your teachings. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your healing. Lord, we're thankful that you heal in a multitude of ways that we're healed in your presence. We're healed by your Holy Spirit. We're healed by standing on the word. We're healed by the confession of our mouths. We're healed in so many ways. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can be healed when we confess one to another. And Lord, I pray now that those who hear my voice here and online or listening to it later, you would strengthen them encourage them to find the relationship to have the willingness the humility the desire to be whole that can only come when we reveal the things that we have hidden in darkness so Lord strengthen us to reveal those things to share with one another to encourage one another the Lord reminds me over and over that you are not alone in this battle. You are not alone in this battle. You're not the only one that struggles with this. So stop being afraid to tell somebody about it. Stop being afraid to tell somebody about it is the Lord's message this morning. 
Thank you, Lord. You know, the enemy has a strategy to isolate. He has a strategy to separate. Because he knows, one, he knows scripture, and he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that unity, fellowship, koinonia, relationship, there is power in it. There's power in it. And there's power to heal and to change. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors because of you. The Lord, your word says, if you are for us, then who can be against us? Lord, I thank you that you are with us each and every day. And we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We have some prayer teams that are going to come up here to the front. They're going to be able to pray with you. And you say, man, I'm just struggling with this or that. Maybe this is the person you need to share with. This is all confidential. No one's going to say anything or do anything. So I just encourage you. I know this was a tough word this morning. Not one maybe you all wanted to hear. But my job is not to tell you what you want to hear. It's to tell you what God tells me to tell you. And I tried to move on from this message. I'm telling you, I tried. I tried. I was like, I don't want, ah, ah. no one's going to like this message. No one wants to share their sins one to another and confess. But the Lord says, no, stop here and talk about it. Because there's healing available in it. So I'm going to read this benediction. Just close your eyes and receive this as the prayer teams come up. It's out of Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in according to Christ Jesus that together you may be with one voice, one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, we worship you, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. These one another's are on the back if you didn't get one from last week. They're on that back table right there. Have a blessed week.